Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Legendary comedian Dave Chappelle is uncancelable, but that's not stopping the left from trying to cancel him again. This time, it's for remarks that aren't tolerant and inclusive enough of the LGBT community in his latest Netflix comedy special. But I think that the LGBT has gotten way too sensitive, and Chappelle will never be canceled, least of all by them. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. All right, Problematic, Dave Chappelle. You know Dave Chappelle, legendary comedian, Chappelle show, all of these Netflix specials, couple movies, you know, couple tens of millions of dollars in the bank, if not a hundred million plus. I don't know what this mega deal that he had with Netflix is, but now he is in trouble again. He has got a new comedy special out on Netflix called The Closer. And in the words of NPR, for Dave Chappelle, punchlines are dares. His new special, The Closer, goes too far. This is, you know, NPR. He goes, he's going too far. All right, so um, let me play you a little clip of what he had to say about trans people, and then I will dig into the trouble that he's getting into from all the usual suspects. not saying that to say that trans women aren't women. I am just saying that those that they got, you know what I mean? saying it's not but that's like beyond impossible tastes like that's not quite what it is is it's not blood that's beet juice oh my (laughs) so look so look Chappelle is in trouble for this okay and I'm gonna read you this is what a couple of um you know the usual suspects say so first of all this is glad the gay and lesbian alliance against defamation and and look (laughs) I think that at a certain point glad provided a service okay at a certain point glad's main role was to get more lgbt representation in the media like i understand it like i'm a gay dude i get it they wanted more gay people in in tv shows and movies and in better represented and stuff like that and their whole point and a lot of these activists that are media activists their point is is that if we can get enough of these people in movies and tv and film you know um society will become more accepting and and, and all of that stuff and and you know th- i think that they were proven right to a certain point but glad like a lot of these organizations particularly ones that have been gobbled up by the left at this point um no longer really serve a, a real function in this society so at this point they pretty much um, exist to, you know, continue to pay people very high salaries and, and to have galas. I'm not entirely sure what they do. I think it's a, you know, it's a pipeline for, you know, LGBT people into Hollywood. And that's great, too. That's fine. But this is what they had to say about uh, Dave Chappelle and about this. Dave Chappelle's brand has become synonymous with ridiculing trans people in other marginalized communities. Negative reviews and viewers loudly condemning his latest special is a message to the industry that audiences don't support platforming anti-LGBTQ diatribes. This is what um, Glad has to say. Because, of course, Glad speaks for every single gay and lesbian and LGBT-identified person throughout the entire world, and it doesn't just speak for a small minority of far left gays and lesbians who, you know, exist to to be able to shake down Hollywood and to be able to, you know, put people in the productions and, and all this stuff, right? This is where I'm at with this whole thing. 
look, I'm I'm gay. You know, he tells gay jokes. He t- he Chappelle's always told gay jokes. It's it's funny. The thing about it is, is that at a certain point, people are going to push back from being told what to say, what to think, what they can say, what they can't say, and how they can or cannot say it. And so what we're seeing right now is a complete pushback in reaction to everything that happened during the Obama years. I would say from 20, I would say literally from 28 to 2016, this was the rise of Twitter. This is the rise of the social justice warrior. This was the rise of social media. This was the rise of victimhood as currency. This was the rise of, of all of this other stuff. And I remember being involved in, I will call it gay activism back in the, in the time when I was on the left, I was, um, you know, fighting for the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which was the law that made it illegal for gays and lesbians to serve openly in the military. I was fighting for that. Um, and, and then we got that. And then there started to be a real shift because then it started to become really nanny state. And things started to become about telling people what to say, how they can say it, what to think, how they can think it. And there are a lot of people that got a lot of power out of this. There are a lot of people that made a lot of money off of this. There are a lot of people that got very famous from this. And they scared a lot of people. God knows they've scared these corporations. God knows Hollywood is terrified. And there are a small minority of people who are not scared, who are not terrified. And they just so happen to be the Dave Chappelle's of the world. And, and, you know, they just so happen to be people that are, in essence, uncancelable. You can't cancel Dave Chappelle. He's got too much money, first of all. And when somebody's got that FU money, you just can't police what they have to say. And I'm pretty sure when he did this deal with Netflix, he was like, you guys cannot have editorial control over anything I say. I'm going to say what I want to say, right? And so I understand. I, I get where some of the far left activists are coming from. I get that, you know, they are saying, okay, well, you know, we shouldn't be the target of jokes. But there is not a group of people in the world that is exempt from being the butt of jokes. You remember there was, and you know, there was this comic. I used to love her. Her name is Lisa Lampanelli. Oh my God, she was hysterical. She was like this, um, this Italian female comic. And she used to tell the race jokes. And my rule about the race jokes is that you have you can tell the race jokes, they just have to be funny. And then if I don't laugh, it's offensive. Because then I'm just offended because you just told a bad joke, right? So that's my rule. It just has to be funny. And Lisa Lampanelli's race jokes were hysterical. Like they were just they're hysterical. I don't know where she went. She probably correctly surmised that she cannot survive in this era. So she probably just took her money and I don't know what she's doing right now. But that's the point. So was the jokes, I mean, what was the transition? Yeah. And not so much that it was about the anatomy or, or anything like that. The point of the joke to me was that there's this thing that we all know but we're not allowed to say. And there's this thing that we all know that we're not allowed to say, which is that biological sex is absolutely a reality. And a lot of these people that came into prominence during the Obama years came into prominence because they told you that you were not able to say that, that you were not able to ask, for example, and when we really get into the trans issue, that we were not able to ask in a trans-identified woman whether or not that trans-identified woman still has a penis. Because if you get deeper into this issue, you realize that most trans-identified women 
have penises, right? So this is, it's just, this is a thing. This is the reality of the situation that people are not allowed to say. And so this is kind of what Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle is getting at here. And so I, I think that what's going on right now, and, and you will hear a lot of backlash from the left, and when Netflix does not cancel this show or does not pull it down, which is what, this is what they want, mind you, okay? So they want Netflix to pull this show down. They want to cancel Dave Chappelle. They want to, this is, you know, the National Black Justice Coalition who, God, this is just another one of these organizations. Um, a civil rights advocacy group focused on the LGBTQ plus community wants Netflix to take the closer off. You think Netflix, you think that Netflix is going to take that show off of Netflix with all, you can't buy this much publicity. This is tens of millions of dollars worth of free publicity. They know it. Dave Chappelle knew it, which is why it's up there. And I, look, I just can't believe that there are people, LGBT identified or what, I just can't believe that there are people out there that are so deeply sensitive that they can't take a joke. And this is another thing that Chappelle says too. And this is what he says in the uh, in, in the thing. I don't have a thought for this one. But he says basically, and I'm quoting him, he says, there's a big difference between the old school gangsta gays who fought for change during the Stonewall era and during the Don't Ask, Don't Tell era. I think, I guess I'm one of those. And this is what Chappelle says about the newer gays. He said, I'm not that fond of these newer gays. Too sensitive, too brittle. Those aren't the gays I grew up with. They fought for their freedom. I respect that. This is what Dave Chappelle says about the old school gays. There's something going on with this new generation. And look, I'm a millennial guy. I'm in my 30s. So I'm not, you know, some like 70-year-old that's like, oh, these younger gays, blah, blah, blah. But these kids are sensitive. This younger generation of LGBT-identified people, and by the way, problematics, like I know a lot of you guys are, are straight or whatever, but you can, you can make this a blanket statement for whoever. Uh, there are a lot of younger people today that are social media natives that are that have come up on on this Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, social media. I'm so sensitive. I'm such a victim. Respect my pronouns. I'm too sensitive for this cruel, cruel world. Like they're too sensitive for this world because this world is not easy. This world is hard. And this world is not going to be easier on you if you're gay or if you're trans or whatever. It is going to be that much harder on you. So that's why you got to get a thicker skin. Dave Chappelle making a joke is not their problem. The problem is that these kids are so weak-minded, that they're so soft, that they can't go out into the real world and say, this is who I am. Because the thing about it is, is that, you know, I get called transphobic all the time because I, you know, I agree with the fact that biological sex exists. And I think that trans people should be able to do whatever they want to with their own bodies. I just don't think that taxpayer dollars should be paying for it. And I just don't think that the full force of the state should be used to sort of penalize people um, who, you know, don't use the right pronouns or who don't, you know, speak of trans issues in a way that has been approved by, you know, this rapidly changing language police. And so here's the thing. I don't really care, you know, who you are, what you do, but to exist in this world, if you are anything outside of the norm, and I don't care what that norm is, okay? I don't care what that is. I don't care if you're Latino or Hispanic or you're a white gay guy, or if you're like me, you're black and gay or whatever. If you're something outside of what the norm of this world expects, you have got to go out into this world with your chest forward and you have to barrel through it 
because there's not going to be anybody in this world that is going to be backing down to your little victimhood pronoun BS. And that's the lesson that a lot of these younger people today, especially the social media natives, they do not get this. They're weak. They're soft. And he and Chappelle is absolutely right that these people are soft. They can't take a joke. They can't exist in this world. And then now there's always this sort of, um, I, I call it, it, it's very, it's like blackmail. It's this emotional blackmail where they say, you know, LGBT identified people are just so, so sensitive that this is going to, um, you know, lead to a spike in suicides. And if you don't respect the pronouns and if you don't speak in this way and if you don't act in this way and if you don't do every single thing that we say, then we're just going to kill ourselves. That's BS. That's emotional blackmail. And there's something else to the fact that a lot of these LGBT-identified people have a higher suicide rate, have higher, higher rates of depression, higher STDs, higher drug use, all of this stuff. And I'm saying this as somebody who is a gay man, is that this stuff exists on a higher level than it does in, in straight societies. That is just what is going on. So Chappelle is right when he says that these gays are too sensitive. They're too soft. So good for him for not bowing down to the mob. He's got too much money to bow down to the mob. But I read a really good quote. And it said, when one brave man stands up, the spines of others are stiffened. So I would hope that Dave Chappelle standing up to just say, to, to tell jokes, to tell jokes, to not be bullied into submission, to not be told what he can or cannot say with his art. This is why so many comedians are unfunny nowadays. They are too afraid to be funny. They're too afraid to say anything. That's why you've got all these weirdos on the late night comedy shows. Okay? Because, and they're not funny because they are afraid to be funny. So good for Dave Chappelle for standing up to the woke mob. My prediction with this is that this is going to be an outrage and this is going to let, what is it? What this episode comes out on Fridays, right? This will be over by Wednesday. I guarantee you guys, they will, you know, everybody will put their little press releases out. There'll be whatever. There will be no pressure campaign. It will be over because when you stand up to the mob, the mob backs down. They're paper tigers. These people exist only on Twitter, and Twitter is not real life. Period. So good for Dave Chappelle for standing up to these idiots. Up next, both the left and the right seem united in the push to regulate Facebook, but I think that you should be very, very wary of the whole thing. I'll tell you why after the break. All right, Problematics, first of all, there's a lot going on with uh, Facebook this week. So I want to be clear to you uh, about where I stand on this. So as someone who has built my entire career off of social media, I know firsthand how dangerous and unhealthy it can be. I try my best not to waste any more of my life than I absolutely have to on social media. And, and I really do suggest that you all do the same. However, I, I do have to say and I said this a little bit in the last episode when, when this Facebook whistleblower stuff was just starting to kind of get out. My spidey sense has started tingling just a bit with all of this bipartisan hand-wringing that is going on about Facebook right now. Yes, former Facebook data scientist turned whistleblower Francis Hagen makes 
a lot of great points when it comes to the negative impact some social media networks have, particularly Instagram and particularly on young women and girls. However, her concern and that of a lot of the left-leaning politicians that are mirroring it seems to be that Facebook lets too much quote-unquote misinformation pass around its platform. Now, you know what the left calls misinformation. They cause anything that is not a liberal talking point, anything that does not have a liberal bias, anything that is conservative or Republican-leaning is misinformation to the left, right? So first of all, when that word is used too much, you know, that gets the antenna sort of going off in my mind. Like I said, I get, it gets the spidey sense tingling. Now we all know, like I said, to the left, misinformation basically means any information or points of view that lean conservative. So as a content creator who has a following of around 330,000 people on Facebook, so if you don't follow me on Facebook, go follow me on Facebook at Rob Smith BK. I do videos every day. I post all of my news clips, all of that stuff. So you'll be able to see all of that right there. So I do not believe for a single solitary second that Facebook is somehow adjusting its algorithms to further the spread of conservative content. In fact, I actually believe the exact opposite, that Facebook does the best it can without attracting too much attention to stop the spread of conservative-leaning content on the platform. And I believe this for a lot of different reasons. First of all, Facebook suppressed the Hunter Biden story. You know, the New York Post broke a story and all of this, you know, decided all of this ended up being true about Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden's laptop. And all of this stuff happened about a month before the election. And so that was suppressed on Twitter. That was suppressed on Facebook. That was suppressed everywhere. It wasn't covered. It was called fake news. All of this other stuff. It ended up all being completely true. Right. And so here's the thing about this whistleblower. She was actually part of the team that censored this Hunter Biden laptop story on Facebook. So here, here's a, a little background. This stuff is coming out on her because conservative media, thank God, they are very wary of this person because there is just something that's not right about this. But look, so I'm going to tell you what this is what she used to do at Facebook. So she worked on something called the Civic Integrity Unit, right? So basically what this did was this was established just in time for the 2020 election and this wound down as soon as Biden won. And, and I'm giving you this, this is from Breitbart. So this unit that she worked with or she worked for at Facebook was tasked with combating, you guessed it, quote unquote, disinformation around the election. So this is basically what she was doing, right? And so this is what she told the Wall Street Journal, that she literally joined Facebook in the first place because she wanted to fight misinformation. There's this word again. This is misinformation. And like I said, you have to listen to that. That is, that word misinformation, it is a dog whistle. And this is about basically suppressing anything conservative. So this is via, um, this is what she told the Wall Street Journal. <clears throat> or this is the Wall Street Journal, you know, based on an interview that she did with them. In late 2018, a Facebook recruiter contacted Hagen about a potential job, according to the journal. She told the company about her experience losing a friend to conspiracy theories and said she wanted to work stopping the spread of misinformation. She joined Facebook in June 2019, where she reportedly worked on the company's 200-person civic integrity division. She and four other new hires were tasked with building a system to track misinformation targeted at specific groups of people in just three months. 
So this is what she did. So now, and this is something that you may not have known, is that she's basically a Democrat Party activist. So she's donated to Democrat politicians more than 30 times since 2016, including to Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. Her most recent donation was to the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the DSCC, the organization that works to elect the people that invited her to Congress to testify. So if this isn't raising your alarms in terms of basically this being an inside job, I don't know what is. Look, it's all there. And like I said, I do not think that the left's newfound concern, quote unquote, for young people on Facebook or on the internet in general has anything to do with caring for them. It has nothing to do with stopping the spread of, you know, fake news or disinformation or misinformation or whatever they're calling it. And it has everything to do with the fact that Facebook is not caving to their censorship demands at the level that the leftists in power wanted to. So what is going on right now with Facebook? What is going on with this woman um, being basically the red carpet is being rolled out to her by the senators in the swamp. And now, mind you guys, even though you're going to see, you know, a couple of Republicans saying, you know, they're going to pretend this is bipartisan. There's a couple of Republicans that are going to be concerned with this, as they should be. I think that we should all be concerned with the effect that social media has on us and on our society, society, and particularly on our young people. I think that that is a very valid thing that we need to be con- we need to be concerned about. But you have to think, you have to take a step back from every single thing that is happening right now and look at the fact that the red carpet has been rolled out for this person. Now, look, she came out as a whistleblower. You know, this is 60. She's on 60 Minutes. Now, all of a sudden, within a couple of days, you know, she's doing interviews with mainstream media and then she's going to testify in Congress. And now there just seems to be this bipartisan groundswell to sort of dip our fingers into Facebook, to to, to control Facebook in this way. And I will say this, you have to be very wary of this push to regulate Facebook, even if it seems bipartisan on its face, right? Because it's not. The left is, you know, they're playing a few conservative stooges um, in D.C., in the swamp, because the swamp is Democrats and Republicans, guys. It's, It's not just Democrats and it's not just Republicans. It is everybody in D.C. And what they want to do is they want to be able to more fully enforce their ideas of censorship and authoritarianism on the largest social media platform in the world. This is where they want, one where, coincidentally, conservative content outperforms liberal content, okay? And this is the thing about Facebook. And like I said, I've, I think I've been doing the Facebook thing for, I would say, about two and a half years, and I've got about 335,000 followers on Facebook. The content that is on Facebook, that is conservative, outperforms the liberal content. And I'll give you a little, this is a little inside baseball, but I think that, you know, problematics, you can follow me with this one. There is a reason for this. And there is a reason that so many independent content creators thrive on Facebook that are conservative in a way that liberal independent content creators do not. First of all, this is what I believe. Liberals don't necessarily need to go to social media to make their voices heard because they own the entirety of the mainstream media. So we're not just talking about MSNBC and CNN. We're talking about basically 
virtually, I would say 80 to 90% of the online, just even the blogs, you want to talk about Salon, you want to talk about um, the Huffington Post, you want to talk about the Daily Beast, all of these things are liberal. So there's no real need for independent liberals or independent leftists or or people that have left-leaning views to create their own platforms on these social media platforms, particularly on Facebook. Because if they tried to do it, it it may not go anywhere. I know of a couple of of liberal-leaning people that have very sizable followings on some of these other platforms that can be monetized. But they don't compare to Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, The Daily Caller, The Daily Wire, Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk, Candace Owens, Benny Johnson, all of these people, you know, myself on on a smaller level than, than any of those people that I just mentioned. But we were able to get on Facebook and to get onto this platform and to have conservative leaning views and to create very sizable followings here. And this is what the left does not want. This is what the left is trying to suppress because when you compare Facebook to Twitter, right? And I think, you know, I see Facebook and Instagram as one and the same um, because, you know, Facebook owns Instagram, which is another thing that they don't like people knowing that, that Facebook owns Instagram. They bought Instagram, I think about maybe six, seven years ago. But when you compare Facebook to, to Twitter, the leftists have won on Twitter, Okay, conservative content and conservative personalities are very much suppressed on Twitter. I think I have a couple hundred thousand followers on Twitter. I tweet every once in a while. I got to tell you guys, it's not really my main focus. Um, Twitter will not verify me. You know, I used to get a, a, a huge amount of traction via things that I've tweeted or videos that I put it out or whatever. And I mean, it, it's pretty much next to nothing right now. I, it's like I don't even bother with it because the leftists have won at Twitter. Whenever you see something trending on Twitter, it's because that's what the left wants to trend. It's because that's what Twitter wants to trend. It's because this is what a bunch of leftists are talking about because all of the leftists are on Twitter. That is where they are, okay? Um, You know, look, I'm still on it. I don't spend enough time on it. But on Facebook, it's almost the exact opposite. Facebook is a much more trafficked platform for conservative voices. Um, It's a much friendlier platform for conservative voices, I think, in some ways, particularly independent content creators. And I think that this is what the left is really attacking. It's not about Facebook being detrimental to to people's mental health. They don't. These people do not care. You think these politicians care about your mental health or mine? These people do not care. They want to control Facebook. Because Mark Zuckerberg, and I'm not saying that there are not problems with this. I'm not saying that Mark Zuckerberg is not some evil, you know, humanoid robot. I, I think he's just bizarre. I think he's just a weirdo. And he, like people that get that that wealthy are just weird. <laughs> um, and so I'm not saying that he's perfect. I'm not saying the platform is perfect. I am saying that he pushes back against the left just enough to not be controlled and owned by them. And they do not like this. So the fact that the red carpet is being rolled out to this woman and and she's spreading all of this stuff and this is supposed to gen us up into thinking, you know, we've got to regulate Facebook. We've got to get, you know, Washington in charge. And yeah, so we want the Biden administration and we want all of these people who are cracking down, by the way, on parents that speak up against critical race theory. They're cracking down on everything but, (laughs) but real terrorists right now. 
And so we want those people to, to control Facebook? Like, I don't think so. Because I certainly don't. I don't know what the answer to this right now, but I know that what is going on with this woman and this whistleblower and the entire conversation that we're having about Facebook right now, I do not trust it. I do not trust it because it seems like yet another power grab from the left. It seems like these people are trying to train us to think a certain way about Facebook, to think a certain way about that platform, because Mark Zuckerberg will not cede control to the left in the way that they want him to. They already got Dorsey. Dorsey, Twitter is like, Twitter is leftist. They've already got Dorsey. Okay, so Twitter is over for anybody, you know, who is conservative leaning. But they do not have Facebook. That is why they want to control it. That is why this whistleblower is being rolled out to everybody right now. This is why, you know, this person, you know, she she talks in the language of, oh, the insurrection. She talks about misinformation. She talks about disinformation. I mean, she may as well be an anchor on MSNBC. So I don't know what the answer is for the amount of control that these social media networks have over our lives and the amount of control, frankly, that they have over information. The only thing I do know that from looking at this, that Facebook may be sort of one of the last places where there is any kind of even facsimile of open and free speech on the internet when it comes to conservatives. And so my advice to you problematics is to take all of this stuff that is being said about Facebook right now, take all of this stuff that is coming from the left, take all of this stuff that is coming from this whistleblower with a grain of salt. Because Facebook is just the next stage in their authoritarian takeover of pretty much every outlet that we have. And like I said, I do not have the answers for Facebook. What I do know is that the answer is not going to come from the swamp. The answer is not going to come from any of the corporate mainstream media. And the answer is certainly not going to come from this whistleblower who funds and donates to the same people that just invited her to D.C. to testify. Up next, you know, I've got a couple of polls that need to have Democrats very, very concerned about 2022 and beyond. I will tell you what they are up next. If I were in the White House, if I were working anywhere in the Biden administration, if I were working for any Democrats, if I was a liberal activist, if I was on the left in any capacity right now, I would be very, very concerned. Because as I've been telling you guys for the past couple of months, these people are going to get their butts handed to them next November. And I believe in 2024. And there's some polls that that pretty much crystallize that. And there's some interesting things um, that are going on. The first one that I I thought was very fascinating is this. There's a new uh, Quinnipiac poll that basically says that Republicans are gaining momentum on Democrats with Hispanics nationally. And I find that absolutely interesting, right? And so this is the poll. Basically, Democrats are barely leading the Republicans, having only 5% more among Hispanic respondents. 
So the respondents were asked, this is the question they were asked, if the election were today, what would you would you want to see the Republican Party or the Democratic Party win control of the United States House of Representatives? Democrats are barely leading the Republicans on this issue among Hispanics. And there is something to be said about that. And as I've told you guys, you know, the last election cycle, and, and there was something going on. There was something very serious and very interesting going on with a lot of black and Hispanic, just a lot of minority voters in general, the LGBT vote and the black vote and the Hispanic vote, there is something going on here. And I think the mainstream media in the 2020 election did a really good job at suppressing that just because we were all talking about COVID and we were talking about the BLM riots and all of that other stuff. It was all, it was a smokescreen. All right, it was a distraction. And so... There is this idea that Democrats have, and this is the idea that they've had. You know, look, I just started paying attention to this stuff maybe 10 years ago. I I just started doing this stuff professionally three years ago. But this is something that has become almost like this motto for Democrats. And this is that. They believe that Republicans are just old white people. And as soon as those old white people all die, then... The black people and the brown people and the gay people and the non-binary people and everybody else in this country that is non-white and non-male, right? So they're just going to carry the Democrats to victory. And then as soon as all of these old white Republicans die off, they will just be able to create the utopia that they keep on pushing for us. And now if you look... At polls like this, if you look at just at what's going on right now with social media, if you look at the existence of somebody like me and the the fact that just over the past three and a half years, I've been able to, you know, get this platform that I have just because, you know, my my ideas are I'm not like some far right lunatic. I'm a I'm a center right leaning conservative or Republican, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I'm a center right. I'm not some lunatic. You're finding a lot more of acceptance of a lot of different ideas among these sort of non-traditional voters. Now, are these people always going to vote for Republicans? I, I do not know. I do not even know if these people are going to identify as Republicans. I do know that these people correctly think that Democrats are out of their minds. And the left has gone completely insane. Because you cannot tell me that there is any Democrat or any independent, any independent, leaning person that is not a complete hack that can look at what is going on in this country right now and think think that this is okay. Because it's not okay. You know, weaponizing the Department of Justice and the FBI against concerned parents, um, you know, in school board meetings is not okay. Leaving the border wide open when Kamala Harris is supposed to be doing something about it and she's making YouTube web series about science, you know, those things are not okay. Um, gas prices being the highest they've been in seven years is not okay. What happened in Afghanistan is not okay. Any thinking person that is truly an independent an, an independent thinker, right? Because guys, like I know a lot of you are Republicans. I know a lot of you are center right leaning independents. I know a couple of you um, are liberals or Democrats, whatever. That's fine. If Joe Biden was doing a good job with anything right now, I would not be afraid to say that. I do not feel chained to the Republican Party. I do not feel that any of the platforms that I have are based on me just, you know, spouting out Republican talking points. I don't feel like that's what I do. I feel like I just speak the truth. 
the truth that any thinking, rational human being that pays attention to things can see. And so the idea that black and brown people and LGBT people and, and, and women and all these people are just going to monolithically vote for Democrats and just carry these lunatics to even more power than they have right now is a very outdated idea. It is based on an outdated mode of identity politics that I think does not work in 2021. It only works with people who are so brain dead that they look through the world only via the prism of skin color, only via the prism of sexual orientation, only via the prism of gender, only via the prism of gender identity. I do not know that people in 2021 are that stupid. Okay, now this other poll, which is very interesting, and I've got, I've gone into this a little bit. Uh, basically, Biden's tanking. The poll numbers are bad. The poll numbers are bad. This is from um, the week. The latest morning consult political poll released Wednesday is filled with quote unquote bad news for President Biden and congressional Democrats after a rough couple of months for the party. Yeah, you can you can say that again. Biden hit his lowest mark in this particular poll since he entered the White House and his disapproval numbers reached their highest point right now. So according to this poll, Biden's approval rating is at 45%. This is the lowest all year. 52% disapprove. This is the highest all year. Democrats' lead on a generic ballot is down to one point compared to a four-point edge last month. So this is what is going on right now. Um, People are waking up, and it's just like, on one hand, it's a real glorious thing to see. It really is. Because people know that something is wrong. People know that something is wrong, that we have a president that has a freaking, he has a, they, there is a set, there is a White House set on some stage in D.C. It's a, it's a set so that Biden can pretend that he's in the White House while reading off the teleprompter. Like, this is a verified fact. Like, this is not crazy. This is not fake news. This is something that is actually going on right now. And it is completely insane. This stuff is ridiculous, but this stuff is actually what's going on right now. And people are seeing it. You guys out there are seeing it. Voters are seeing this stuff because, look, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you cannot fool all the people all the time. And another poll, by the way, which, you know, goes in line with all of this stuff, is... Americans trust the media, which falls to 36%. This is another Gallup poll. Only 36% of people have a great deal or fair amount of faith in what they see and hear in the news. This figure is the second lowest on record, rivaling the 32% in 2016 during the Trump-Hillary Clinton campaign. There is a wide gap among Democrats and Republicans, right? So the former has 68% trust in the media, uh, the Democrats, the Republicans have just 11%. Among, Demo- among independents, the figure is 31%. So people are not trusting what they're saying. And look, we all know 
that there are different networks that are geared to different audiences, right? So you've got our conservative-leaning networks. You've got our liberal-leaning networks. CNN used to be somewhere that is in between, but CNN went so far left under the Trump year. They had Trump derangement syndrome. CNN went all the way far left. I think that they have, you know, skirted away a lot of the, the will that they have or that they had. And so the thing with the media in your consumption with it or of it is this. You have to know what the biases are and you have to know how to control for that bias. When I'm watching conservative media, I know how to control for that bias. And when I'm watching liberal media, which I watch sometimes, I watch sometimes I turn on Joy Reid just to see what completely insane thing she's going to say today. They're literally, they're still talking about January 6th. They're still talking about it. They don't talk about anything important that's going on in society. They're talking about January 6th. Um, They're still talking about the Trump White House. Anything that they can do to not talk about this administration. So this is what's going on here. These polls, the Democrats losing Hispanics, the lack of trust in the, the corporate mainstream media. Look, Biden's approval numbers. This is all leading to what I have said before and what I think is going to be an absolute shellacking in 2022. So they are coming up on a really hard time. And that is just what I think is going to happen because anybody that is paying any attention at all to anything that's going on in this country right now knows that it ain't good. And Democrats, I'm going to tell you, These people are wielding power right now. They are trying to consolidate power. They are trying to make shows of force. They are trying to do everything that they possibly can while they still have power to grow government, to control things, to throw the full force of the government on law-abiding American citizens basically just for making their voices heard. Because I think that they know, as well as you and I know, that their time is numbered. Their days are numbered. Their time is going to be up very soon. And let me tell you something. When this happens in 2022 and when I pray to God, we get Republican leadership back in 2024. It is not going to come a moment too soon because Democrats on the left, these people are in trouble. And the behavior that you're seeing right now is from people that are backed into a corner. And they want to exert as much power and authority and control as they possibly can. I just want to know, honestly, how far will they go in the next three and a half years? I am very curious about that. But it looks like we're all going to see. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And to hear more of my episodes and get my weekly newsletter, go to Gingrich360.com slash Rob. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.